Welcome. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick. I host a weekly radio show that gets turned into this podcast, the one you're listening to right now. If you're an early riser, you can also listen live every Monday starting at 7 a.m. on WPRK 91.5 FM. It also streams live on WPRK.org. Or you can subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Regardless of where you listen, this show is about people from the Orlando area who are doing something neat. In this case, the neat person is Jesse James Allen. He's a musician, a photographer, he's an artist, and a video game enthusiast, just to name a few things. He describes himself as a renaissance man, and that's 100% accurate. For more on Jesse and all of the other guests, please visit toacertaindegree.com. And now on with the show. Now, now on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to Certain Degree. Good morning. My name is Nick. Now, now is the name of the band we just heard from their new album, Saved. That was SGL. I don't know what that stands for because although I was listening to it, I wasn't hearing it as much because I was prepping for the show. Uh, Great show with Jesse James Allen. Jesse James, should I just call you Jesse? Sure, that's fine. Okay, get right up on that mic. Hello, Orlando. Hello. How you doing? All right, because I just feel like Jesse James Allen or Jesse James is is something I should call you because that's how I know you. Right. Right. So we've been in sort of this Venn diagram of concentric circles. Like you're in Orlando Story Club, and I've been to a couple of Orlando Story Clubs, and so we've been uh, a mutual admiration society, I would say, for a little bit, which totally. is great. And now you're here. Yeah. So Jesse, I'm so glad to have you. Uh, but I need to get to know you a little bit better. So we've spoken a tad, sure. either online or in person. You came out to Maker for Fair Orlando, uh, which was last month. And you actually saw me at Pachaca Cha as well, so I appreciate that. So you know me, but I don't know you. So we're going to play a little game called Give or Take. Okay. And the idea is that give, uh, giving, what's better than giving? Taking, but in this case, we're going to consider taking bad. Okay. So give if you're for something Take if you're against it. You got it. That's the idea behind it. Okay. How about it's 2019? We're exactly two weeks into it. Seems like it's going by pretty quickly. Thank goodness. Uh, resolutions, give or take? Mm, probably take. I mean, I think a resolution could be at any time during the year. Everybody it doesn't kinda, have to be New Year's. Yeah, exactly. You could decide in the middle of May, like, this is what I want to do. Do you ever feel like you you should assign people resolutions? <laughs> uh Occasionally, yeah, I guess you could go that. I'll give on that one. Yeah, okay, all right, good. Yeah. Uh, how about driverless car? So, you're a car guy. One of the things I know about you is you're a car enthusiast, an Definitely. automobile enthusiast. Definitely, where do you land on driverless cars? Uh, give on that. Like, if I could get into something and it would just it do would my just take you morning commute, that would be amazing. I'd love that. Okay. Good. Um, and there's no concern about the AI. Like, what are the what are some of the concerns that you have? I, I mean, just with any technology, it's evolving. You know, certainly it, uh, there's room for improvement. Are you saying it's, it's evolving like the AI is evolving and becoming yeah. sentient? Uh, not necessarily is that, what you meant that by but, uh, you know, it's, it's. Are you working for the AI? Uh, maybe. Okay. 
Great. <laughs> That's really nice. How do you feel? Let me ask you about, we're, we're approximately, I would imagine, about the same age. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we got to live through, we weren't necessarily young, but we got to live through sort of the renaissance of Disney movies, mm-hmm. Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, the animated ones in the early 90s. Definitely. Uh, how do you feel about all the live action movies that are now coming out that are based on those uh, those films? Uh, give or take. Definitely give. Like okay. uh, I, uh, Jungle Book is actually my favorite of the, the recent uh, live action the recent remakes. Live that action just, remakes that yeah. Caught me off guard. I was like, that was way better than I ever expected it to be. So, so what about a Dumbo or a Lion King or I, and I didn't see the remake of Beauty and the Beast, but uh, right. not sure if you saw that. I haven't seen that one, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic about those. Okay. Very nice. Where are you on coffee? Give or take. I'm more on the take side, though I'm not really against coffee. It's just... Uh, no. Well, that's good. We have a lot of coffee that listens to the show, so I'm sure. glad you're not insulting them. I'm more like the chai tea kind of guy. So. Okay. Yeah. So you still need some caffeine every yeah. once in a while. Right. You're a creative spirit. You're a creative type. So I would imagine you get your uh, uh, late nights in on occasion? Uh, a lot. Okay. <laughs> so maybe some caffeine yeah. here or there. Where do you land on cursive? Cursive. Yeah. Did you have to learn cursive when you were Oh, yeah. That was like a mandatory thing. Okay. Yeah. So your daughter is in the 10-year-old range, I believe. She's Yeah. She's in high school, 14. Oh, she's 14. Okay. And, uh, did she have to learn? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I know she knows a little bit of it. It wasn't like looking through her curriculum. It wasn't as crazy as like when we went through school. It yeah. It was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, but... You uh, had to learn it and you yeah. had to write for a year and right. that sort of thing. So they probably just... Here's cursive. Do with it what you will. Right. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you about a word. Okay. So this is a little bit free association. Okay. Meet. Meet. Yeah. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, get together. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Uh, so Nebraska lawmakers uh, really want to define meet with an A and what that means. Um, because what's happening is you've got all these uh, alternatives. Okay. So that is soy-based, that is mushroom-based, that is, and they're calling themselves meat. And so Nebraska lawmakers are going to look at a bill this year that will make it illegal to call anything that, uh, let me see, any edible portion of any livestock or poultry carcass or part thereof. Um, and that would, inc- that would exclude, if you called any of these things meat, it would be a crime, lab-grown or insect or plant-based food products. Wow. Yeah. So this has been a thing for a while. Same thing with milk. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean to be milk? Soy milk, for example. Right. It's not milk. It's a byproduct of soy and or oat milk is a byproduct of oats and that sort of thing. Sure. So where do you, where, I guess, how do you feel about that argument in the first place? From an advertising standpoint, from a communication standpoint, are you a vegetarian by any chance? Uh, no, I'm not really a vegetarian, um, but... I think all the alternatives are good. Like I've certainly enjoyed vegan restaurants and whatnot. I think sure. that's, that stuff's great uh, and definitely healthy for you, especially can you consider like the industrial manufacturing of, of meat and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it should be properly labeled. Absolutely. So yeah. a meat alternative or something like that, not necessarily soy milk. It could be just soy, sure. happy juice. Yeah. yeah. You like happy juice? I'll well, take it to doesn't? them. Who I'll doesn't? take it to them if you think it's that, good. That, that's a good business. Idea. I can say Jesse said it was a good He's idea. On the happy juice. 
<laughs> oh boy. Let me ask you, uh, let's go back to technology for a second. Sure. You're a tech guy. You're an early adopter. Yeah. Is it fair to say? Definitely. Amazon Go. Okay. Because I'm still fascinated by this. So they're starting to expand. They're starting to try out different size stores. Mm-hmm. So this is a, an Amazon store. Right. You open up your app, you walk in, you get your stuff and you walk out. There's no cashier. Right. It just tracks you all the way through the store. And there's still people there, of course. Right. Uh, because they have to keep an eye on you, especially from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, where do you land on that, give or take? Uh, that would definitely be give. It kind of, you know, that way you can avoid the porch pirates of the Caribbean. I'm um, the the what porch pirates of the Caribbean. You know, you got the porch pirates that'll come steal your packages if you order them from Amazon. They sit on your doorstep. And oh, yeah. that's what we call them now. Yeah, sure. Okay, so you don't have a glitter bomb waiting for them. I might. Okay, great. Good to know. <laughs> we'll give out uh, Jesse's address a little bit later so you can go try out that glitter. I'm just kidding. Um, but the uh, yeah, but it's it's more of a convenience store. It's more of a grocery store. So you're right. not necessarily like. Uh, uh, going to order that stuff, but if you need, uh, you know, a gallon of milk and some shampoo, that's cool. Which is what I was, you know, that's my happy juice right sure. there. Ooh, that would be bad. Sandwiches. Oh, definitely give or give. take. Okay, definitely give. Do you yeah. have a favorite? Wow. Uh, let's see. I ask the hard questions here, yeah. Jesse. No, I you know, I, I, it's just like Italian sandwiches are awesome, and uh, I also like the ones. A lot of like, Italians listen, so be careful yeah, what you're going to say. No, that's a good thing. That's okay. a good thing. And then, uh, yeah, down definitely in this area, you got the jerk chicken, and a lot of a jerks lot. listen. <laughs> There's at least one in this room. <laughs> All right, and if you can't figure out which one, yeah. yeah. So definitely give on that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's go to. Are you ready for this? Super Wolf Blood Moon. Sounds awesome. Okay. It's happening on Sunday. Awesome. Uh, of this week. So I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. I think that astronomers uh, like to come up with these names to make it a lot cooler. Will we have wolves? I'm not sure. Will we have super wolves? And will they be seeking blood? Here's the thing. I'm going to be disappointed if that's not the case. I really feel like if we have to label meat that right. specifically, if we're calling something the super wolf blood moon, right. and there's not any of those three things, right. or I guess one, because the super wolf that is seeking the blood, uh, I'm going to be really disappointed, and I'm going to call Nebraska up yeah, and lawmakers up there and say, while you're doing the meat thing, let's get on this moon stuff. Because that's really just uh, bad, poor advertising. Those, th- those events crack me up as a photographer because, like, all photographers are like, I'm going to get the best shot. I'm going to be the guy that gets the shot that's going to be on, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, that goes viral or whatever. So there will be some dude with Photoshop that will have the most, like, over-the-top <laughs> version of that movie. There's going to be a little outline yeah, of exactly. a wolf in I there. I was up really in for three weeks preparing for this shot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Is that you? Is that what you want? Uh, I don't think I would be the guy doing that, but <laughs> it is funny to watch. What kind of photography do you do? You know, I, uh, I let's see. <laughs> what kind of, okay, how about what kind of photography don't you do? Um, poor taste, you know. Okay, yeah, good. Pretty much good. about it, yeah. Um, I've close, done, up, close up of hats? I could do a good hat. Okay. Yeah, I could do a good hat. Yeah, a little bit of everything. I, you know, I, I've done uh, portrait work. Uh, dancers here, like the flamenco dancers, belly dancers, um, lots of car stuff, obviously, being a car guy, um, pretty much anything. 
just that's that's kind of a cool way to explore your world and appreciate your world it's what i find interesting is that is um you know a passion project for you it's a hobby and we'll get totally. into sort of you know your day-to-day versus everything else when you think about yourself and somebody asks you what you do what's your typical answer uh renaissance man which okay. kind of raises an eyebrow usually everybody's what what the heck does that mean so a that, little of everything right yeah. and and that basically means that uh i'm one of these people that you know plan a, a in life like when i was seven years old i had this figured out i was like I'm going to grow well, up, didn't I'm going to go old. into the Air Force Academy, I'm going to fly the SR-71 Blackbird around, and then I'm going to be an astronaut. Sure. And then when that and didn't all of happen, that happened. oh, yeah, when that didn't it did happen, not. Uh, it was like, well, now it's wide open, right? Like, what are we going to do? And so um, Renaissance Man is just somebody who goes out and learns a little bit of everything. Good. Yeah. All right. Uh, going out and moving into a tiny house, give or take? Give. You would? Yeah. Yeah, I know you have a family and everything, so it might be sure. kind of tough. But what is it about that that appeals to you? Uh, I think it's kind of neat because you can pretty much settle down anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't need to be a permanent thing. Put it on wheels and just go? Yeah, you can do the wheel thing or it's just easy to disassemble or reassemble or, and, uh, or affordable to turn over. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's cool. It, it, it invites the adventurous spirit in life where you can just go, hey, I'm not tied to my things. I'm not owned by my things. And so is that aspect. Do you feel like you could um, downsize enough to get into the tiny home? I think if I was ambitious enough for that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the right it reason. Like you know? as, a, as a person who, you know, uh, is an early adopter and stuff, you could probably transfer a lot of stuff to the technology side. Mm-hmm. Everything's digital. All your yeah. books become digital. All your photos become digital. Definitely. You've got one pad and uh, a TV and all of the video game systems. That would probably take up most of the space. Yeah, is that right? You got your <laughs> consoles and your billion games. You're good. Good. All right. So last one for now, give or take, cobbler. Cowboy? Cobbler. Cobbler. Oh, definitely give. Well, let's do cowboy first. Okay. How do you feel about cowboys? Well, I grew up in Colorado, so. Okay. Yeah. It's a pretty so good. It's a cool thing. Yeah. All right. So let's move over to cobbler now. That definitely give. Okay. Peach cobbler, apple cobbler. Do you do ice cream on top? Uh, I can use ice cream. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. I'm not, uh, you're not ordering here. Oh, so man. Uh, <laughs> well, I got excited you, for him. I'm going to make you really hungry. Yeah. One of these days I will have cobbler and it'll be the day that the person is like, no, hate cobbler. <laughs> too, too chaotic. Yeah. Give me some pie, which has order to it. I know what shape it's going to be. I know what's on the top. I know what's on the bottom. I know what's in the middle. Cobbler, no chance. Right. No, it's amazing. Uh, do you have a favorite dessert? Cobbler's definitely up there. Okay. That's a good one. German chocolate cake. It's awesome gotcha. up there. Yeah. Uh, Would yeah. you say you have a sweet tooth? Not really. No? Yeah. So it's just those two things. It's one of those things, yeah. Okay. If they show up, I'm like, eh, okay, I'm feeling it. But if not, yeah, sure. No big deal. No big deal. You're not getting the eclair. No. All right. No. Sorry, all the eclairs out there. Jesse. <laughs> Jesse James Allen, we're going to talk more about all of the things that you have going on. But first, we're going to play a song. I believe it is not that one. Oh, no, thank you. No, thank you. That seems like a terrible uh, song to play. But that's the name of the band. And the name of the song is Cubic Zirconia. So what I'm saying is no thank you and then something super fake. Okay. It's not a message. I don't think you should read into this. <laughs> well, it's actually still a thing, but... Yeah, no, it's still a thing. Yeah. 
All right, great. Well, that got awkward. You're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Please stick around for more of Jesse James Allen. And we are going to talk about projection mapping. Definitely. We're going to talk about hats. We're going to talk about hat photography, uh, music, uh, video, uh, cars. And we've got some really good bad business ideas coming up. So Sweet. Please stay, Jesse. Also, the door's locked. <laughs> Great. You're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Hey. How's it going? What are you doing Saturday, February 9th? I'm not asking you out if that's what you're thinking. Maybe I am. In any case, Saturday, February 9th, take some time to check out Sam Flax. If you don't know Sam Flax Orlando, it is the go-to art supply store in the Orlando area. But what's really neat and what's happening on February 9th is the Sam Flax wall project. So they open up their walls on the sides and on the back to local artists. 11 of them are going to be painting that day. They're going to be creating some really incredible murals. And you should go check that out. February 9th, Sam Flex. Go. The Dirty Projectors on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Jesse, what song was that that we just played? Zombie Conquerors. That was, I was really actually good. digging that one. Yeah. That's cool. I, I like um, having people come in and help me pick out the music. I think it's uh, it's inspiring because you see a lot of stuff that you haven't seen before. Totally. And uh, so that's one of the good things about working here and being able to come in and take a look at the music that we have. And we have a great music department that goes through and listens to a lot of the uh, albums first just to see, okay, this is a good song. Uh, you know, you if you like Tegan and Sarah, you might like this album or something along those lines. And uh, yeah, so that was the new one from the Dirty Projectors. And you picked that out. You were drawn to that because you're a projector yourself. Not a, literally a projector. You don't have a light bulb. Maybe. But Jess James <laughs> Allen is here today. I'm sorry. My name is Nick. Let me introduce myself. You're listening to a certain degree. Jesse James Allen, very special guest this week. We've been talking about having you on for a while, so I'm glad this finally got to work out and you have a lot of things going on you have a lot of hobbies Mm -hmm. and one of them is kind of took center stage for you at immerse this year at the creative city project right and that was a big project called the uh serif right if i remember correctly i didn't get a chance to see it but you really um this wasn't something you were doing for work this wasn't something you were doing for anybody else sort of but for you uh, and you had, I think, somebody you were working with for this particular project. But as far as digital mapping and things of that nature, this is just for you. You were curious about it, so you went in that direction. Definitely, yeah. It's uh, It was something that was influenced by things that I had worked on or that a group that I was working with was working on. Uh, I got intrigued by it. I started learning about the technology of projection mapping. And for those who don't know what that is, it's uh, essentially... Like when you think of projectors, you have like, you know, a projector and a screen. It's just the mm-hmm. screen now can be any object. And the goal is to wrap uh, video or visuals around physical objects. Um, and that way you can kind of animate inanimate objects. I guess that's the best way to say that. It's really interesting. I would imagine that's a, a bit of a struggle, or at least it was at first, to try to explain that because you really have to have seen something along those lines sure. before you could uh, before you could really explain it or understand it. So I think um, in some of the early ones that I saw, maybe it was at a Creative City Project or something, where they mapped the side of a building. Right. 
And so everything they're projecting, whether it's falling rain or uh, whatever visuals are taking into account, say where the windows are and things of that nature. So it's almost like you can make the building come alive. Right. But you could do that with really small objects as well. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it, it just depends what size projector and how close it is. Uh, and coming from somebody that, you know, like I was uh, really into video games and video game design for a long time. And I'm super intrigued with like virtual reality and mixed reality. I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool to do projection mapping, but also make it interactive? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of that augmented experience, except you don't need to put on a headset or any kind of glasses or anything and try things out uh, in physical space and make it able to respond to the person watching it make it a two-way conversation. So if people were to follow you on Instagram, look up Jesse James Allen or on Vimeo uh, as well, I think is a good place to see some of your stuff too, because then you can see longer form things. Definitely. Um, Instagram is good for video, but only if it's a minute long. And uh, so on your Vimeo channel, I think you have a demo or at least a a long or a few videos about the Seraph. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the Seraph was uh, that was a really cool project. Um, It was kind of like I was intrigued by what was going on with projection mapping. Did not realize there was a local projection mapping community here. Uh, And I went to an earlier Creative City project called Projected that was Mm -hmm. down on Orange Avenue. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, there was... Bunch of people there. Uh, Synthestruct, who's actually doing a show here at uh, Tronicon this weekend. Um, VJ Omni, who just does these really amazing visuals and everything. And I'm like, wow, there's a community here. I totally did not realize that. It was super inspiring. I wrote uh, Creative City Project. I said, I love this kind of stuff. You know, here's some of the, some of the uh, late night experiments that I had tried out. And uh, they wrote back in, why aren't you doing stuff with us? Yeah, and I was exactly. like, oh, I guess I'm on the spot now. So uh, put together the serif with uh, a local sculptor here, Charlie Jingcha. And uh, the serif was a six-winged angel that uh, we displayed and we projection mapped on it. And it had a book that kind of looked like this like ancient book with a bunch of hieroglyphic symbols on there. But it didn't really look like anything until you started. Like, you could kind of see the outline of the book and the outline of the angel. Right. But really, until you started the projection mapping, it was just almost, I would describe it as an abstract sculpture. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So the goal on that one was to wrap this thing with angelic themes. The book actually had all these, like, hieroglyphs on it. Each one of those hieroglyphs uh, was done in electric paint. So as you touched them, the paint would actually send commands to the projection mapping program. It would change the programming around, so it would start to tell different stories. Uh, It had a microphone in it. You could, like, you know, sing or talk into it, and you would see all the shapes move around based Mm -hmm. on, like, how loud you were. Uh, and I also embedded a gesture controller in there, too. So if you moved your hands around, all the feathers of the seraph angel would start to reorient. Uh, and it was really interesting to just watch the public mess around with that. You know, I mean, I think they, they've they seen projection mapping and they kind of just look at it as a show. And the second that they realize that, wait a minute, like things that I'm doing are influencing going this. going to affect it, yeah. It was really cool to kind of just watch people just like, what else does it do? What else does it do? You know, So it was a lot of fun. I was really glad I was part of that. From a projection mapping standpoint, um, I think there's a lot of things... Uh, and I'll use 3D printing as an example because I'm fairly familiar with that. So right. the patents ran out mm-hmm. uh, in the aughts, I think, of the late 90s. And people started messing around with this technology in their home. 
they ended up creating these printers. And now we have cheap, easy to use printers that are accessible that we can teach kids a lot of um, STEM and STEAM things on them because, you know, they're take what you're thinking of, put it in the computer and then print it out and see what it's like. Um, From a projection mapping standpoint, is it kind of the same deal where obviously there wasn't a lot being done with it for a long time because projectors were expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual physical uh, effort of mapping something probably took a lot. Right. Um, and I would imagine for the gesture controls, like until Xbox Connect came out and things of that nature that you could hack, right. it wasn't necessarily you know super accessible to get that kind of technology. Mm-hmm. So now it's, is it fairly easy to do, I guess? Is it like, it's not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, to no, do no, like no. This. Actually, that's kind of one of the cooler things about it. It's uh, it, like a lot of software and such today, you can kind of take it at whatever level that you want. You can start with real basic software and then kind of work your way up. Uh, people that are interested in it, I'd recommend like HeavyM or Resolume or Mad Mapper. They all have like free trials of their software. So you can just try it out and see if you like it. Uh, projectors, you know, you can get a, a decent projector starting at about 75 bucks or so on Amazon. Um, and then you just kind of, you know, if it's something that you, you like, yeah, yeah, you just keep running with it. And as far as the interactivity, there's Unity and Unreal out there that you can certainly start trying out things uh, at no cost, you know, or the cost of assets or whatever. Well, I think at some point we were discussing, you were telling me that there's um, an add-on almost, something that'll scan the wall for you, so you don't have to do quite as much work yeah. and effort. And I'm thinking, when you were describing it to me, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be thousands of dollars. Right. But it was three, 400 bucks? Uh, it's about $700. Okay, it's, so uh, still not like yeah. inaccessible if it was something that you wanted to do. Right. So if you wanted to start out basic on a blank screen or... I was watching one of the things that one of the experiments you did on the wall mm-hmm. where you were moving your hand around and the things were moving accordingly. Right. Um, but that's just a blank wall that you're using. Oh, yeah. That's just my kitchen wall. But yeah. Yeah, I appreciate my family putting up with me. But <laughs> yeah, I often do that. I'll just uh, like, you know, clear out the room or whatever and uh, and just try stuff. You know, that's the best way to, to, to do it. Um, but yeah, the, the technology you're talking about is called Lightform. That's something that's coming out like this year, uh, and it actually has the ability to uh, take control of the projector and kind of scan the room and build a 3D depth map of like, here's everything that's in your room, what do you want to map onto? Versus the current tools where you you take like a vector illustrator tool and you kind of highlight the areas in the room that you want to map. And then you almost have to measure it and like project something, see if that works, and then yeah. go back and adjust it accordingly. Yeah, it takes a little time, but... Uh, you know, it's it's a fun process, actually. I find it, it, you know, just watching things come to life is so cool. What this, I mean, so you saw this happening. You saw this in sort of an artistic uh, uh, application. Maybe you saw it, or I think you said you saw it at work. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people were using it there. Mm-hmm. What drives you to go out and actually learn it? So, yeah, I, I, first off, like I said, it's the intrigue of kind of... A, a new frontier, you mm-hmm. know, something where you can take the virtual world and bring it into the physical real, uh, reality. Uh, I had a really interesting conversation with a disabled journalist, and she was talking about, you know, the limitations that some people have with the new technology. They don't feel like they get to be part of it. You Whether know? that's video games or yeah, anything else. exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and that kind of got me thinking about we're just not, you know, as designers of this tech, we often kind of just 
assume the baseline is like everybody and you can all wear headsets and you can all use game controllers and stuff like that. And that, that is not the case. Uh, so from the design perspective, it kind of switches your mind up a little bit and you're kind of thinking, how could I make this accessible to everybody? Like, how can I make a really cool interactive experience accessible to everybody, all mm-hmm. age groups, uh, any physical condition, that kind of stuff? Um, what would go into that? So the designer side of me is like, that's that's something I'd love to explore. You know, how you give somebody a great, they call this like an XR experience. Uh, so there's mixed reality, augmented reality, virtual reality. Um, those are all kind of like the personal experiences yeah. essentially you have. So XR is kind of like augmentation of a real environment, but you have the ability to manipulate it. Okay. So it kind of, you know, it ha- so you're not wearing anything. Yeah, in order not to necessarily. It. Yeah. yeah. And uh, gesture controls essentially is like that's the most easiest way for anybody to, you know, interact with something is just the way you interact in your life, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I just started exploring that is just, what could you do? What is the potential of that? And then also kind of wrap that in amazing sound and interactive sound as well, because that's definitely part of it as well. So do you get this just as a quick tangent, but do you get stuck doing all the it for your family members and friends? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Totally. Cause the way you're describing everything, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, he gets stuck doing that. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. That's fantastic. What, um, so taking it back a step because you're able to do this, not only, uh, you know, you explored it and you learned the projection mapping part of it, mm-hmm. but you've also done some of the animation stuff in your prior roles or maybe in your current role yeah. as well. Um, but also sound design definitely, and things like that. So do you, is this just the natural progression of what you've already learned? Is this kind of the culmination of everything? I definitely, that's kind of like, uh, as I've learned any new technology, you can apply things that you've learned in the past. And that kind of gives you a little bit of an advantage, Um, especially like in this realm, there's a lot of visual artists, but a lot of them don't think about the sound side of it or they're having somebody else deal with that. And that's kind of cool that, you know, for me as a sound designer, I'm like, wow, this is totally the Wild West of sound design because you know, when you're moving things around in physical spaces, you know, it's, you, you want it to sound as extraordinary as it looks. Uh, and that gives you just this incredible creative freedom to, you know, really explore unique sounds. Um, but also a way to kind of rein it in. So, you know, it has to fit within these parameters. It has to work this certain way. Well, you can't put 800 speakers, right? Like you have to have certain, uh, limitations in order for that to happen. Right. So, Technology wise, mm-hmm. you're fairly well versed on stuff. I'm just not intimidated by it. It, yeah. it doesn't mean I understand it. I certainly like, you know, face plant several times, like trying to learn things and whatnot. Uh, but I understand that's just kind of how it goes. You know, you the just keep chipping away at it and eventually yeah. the hieroglyphs are legible, you know. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, some of your more what I would say are, are traditional outlets. Mm-hmm. Um, so storytelling and photography. So, you know, I, I think they're both very similar, right? You mm-hmm. know, you're you're a, the person or you're a person who goes to Orlando Story Club and you look to get on stage and share a story. And you do that in other venues as well, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, same thing with photography to an extent. You're trying to capture something, mm-hmm. a moment, but also trying to tell a story as well. So you've got that traditional storytelling um, so the spoken word and the photography, and then this this new kind of storytelling. 
Um, so how does that translate? How do you how do you go between the two easily? And what kind of skill set does one side help with the other? Sure, it, you know, storytelling is a really big part of like creating something that provides a meaningful experience rather than just kind of a spectacle, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's much more personal. It's much more intimate. It's much more about the connection. And if people haven't been to like a Pachacacha or Orlando Story Club or even Nerd Night, um, and there's a number of others, of course, I'm, I'm skipping over a bunch and I totally. apologize, but look it up. Um, but there's a bunch coming up in February. Sure, yeah. I, uh, the only one I've done so far is uh, Story Club. I, I love Pachacacha. I've never actually presented at Pachacacha, but... Uh, the just like your story that you recently wrote up that it was like hey here's all the different venues in orlando i strongly encourage people to to go to those even if you don't get up on stage just to kind of be inspired by what is there um but for people who you know would love to learn how to present and and also it's kind of therapeutic to get up on stage and tell a story as well um for me you know that was uh i would say there wasn't that many years ago it was like 100 percent introvert right Mm -hmm. so it's kind of cool to find a way to covering introvert yeah yeah exactly yeah it's like uh how you get out of your shell how do you express the kind of thoughts and and experiences you've had everybody kind of assumes well there's nothing that interesting about me you know that kind of thing and you, as you talk through it, you realize your experience is has its unique attributes and has its similarities. When you're sitting in the audience and you're listening to your fellow peers tell their stories and everything, you're like, I can relate to that. I understand what that feels like. Or you know, well, it might be helpful too, right? Totally. To relate that story not only for you but for another person to hear it. I've yeah. been to a couple of story clubs and I'm like, that was actually really helpful. Sure. Um, in terms of understanding that somebody else had a similar experience and struggled with it the same way that I did. Right. So I'm not, you know, I'm good with not being a a unique snowflake. Right. Um, I want other people to have the same experiences and to struggle in the same way so that I don't feel like there's something wrong with me. Oh, totally. (laughs) In many cases. Totally. Yeah. And that, that's kind of the, the fascinating part about it. And, and just as you know, we've under listened through all the different stories, not only there, but in other formats like Pachakasha or even, you know, the really large like Ted talks or the Moss story hour or something like that. I mean, it, it starts to kind of reel in the human experience, right? Like what is it like going through life from multiple different perspectives? That's totally fascinating. I'm just curious as a recovering introvert uh, myself, what is your sort of recharge process? Like, uh, for example, if you do Orlando Story Club or maybe right after this show, um, uh-huh. you know, because even talking on a one-on-one basis uh, to all of the hundreds of thousands of listeners mm-hmm. that we have, obviously, on this show, um, what do you typically do to sort of, because uh, the classic introvert is not necessarily somebody who doesn't talk to anybody. Right. It's just that they need time afterwards to recharge and uh, get ready for the next time they have to talk to somebody. Sure. Yeah, I, uh, I used to call that like uh, car meditation. So you like go out and, you know, you drive to wherever you're going. You sit there for like 30 seconds, and just calm down. Just, all right, now I'm ready for the next thing. And that's, okay. uh, yeah, it's like your little, your little zen moment. So you don't go into like a sensory deprivation tank for no. a couple of days? No, nothing mm, like that. It's okay. Uh, yeah. I may be the only one. Yeah. Great. Well, let's play another song while we're considering that. Uh, Jesse James Allen is here. And I would be remiss uh, if I didn't say if you wanted to follow Jesse James. Definitely. God, I keep saying that. Jesse, if you just, Jesse, 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You can find me, Jesse James Allen, on Instagram, uh, Vimeo, LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn, YouTube, you name it. And uh, there is a podcast, another podcast that you do for work. Yes. Uh, do you want to mention that as well? Yeah. If uh, you kind of want to learn more about the sort of things that I, I do on the daily, uh, there's a podcast out there called Experience Imagination that you can find on all the, you know, Apple iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. Experience Imagination. Great. Give it a listen. Thank you so much. And we'll be back in a few minutes. Let's play a song. This is Noble Sun with, uh, yeah, we, we don't have one of these. Neither one of us do. But this is Problem Daughter on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Pachacacha is hosting its first event of 2019 on February 23rd. This is a pretty neat event if you haven't been before. It's at the Dr. Phillips Center. The speakers are local people who uh, have an incredible story to tell. The curator behind Pachacacha Orlando will be here on February 11th on the show on February 11th. Eddie Sullivan, very happy to talk to him, very excited to talk to him. You can listen to that episode. You should definitely buy tickets now. So this is the 25th volume of Pachacacha Orlando. And again, that's on February 23rd. Go follow them on the social medias and get your tickets. Pachacacha, hard to say, fun to watch. Noble Son on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That from the album Joy and Violence was Problem Daughter. If you ever want to hear or learn more about some of the songs being played on WPRK, obviously we have a very eclectic taste in music, but we do have everything up online as far as playlists go. So you can go to uh, or search for Spinatron WPRK. And you can find out all about the songs that we're playing. You're listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick. Jesse James Allen is here. Jesse, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're almost at the end of the first hour. So I just wanted to, before we get to bad business ideas, we got a pop quiz coming up. So please stick around. You have no choice, but everybody else, <laughs> I'm talking to the listeners right now. Uh, bring it uh, into work with you. You can stream it on WPRK.org if you're listening in your car or vice versa. If you're getting out of work into your car, you can listen to it in the car. That's right. Because that's how radio works. And it's a little Zen moment. We just explained radio. Yeah, exactly. That's great. I feel good about that. Yeah. Jesse, you have done a lot of sound design. Now, tell me what that, for video games. Yes. Um, now, is that also the music? Is it just the actual design of the, you know, background sounds and things of that nature? Is it both? It was both, yeah. Uh, I spent a huge percentage of my life doing sound for video games. I've done... 53 AAA video games. When you uh, say AAA video games, what does that mean? That, uh, like, Wide Madden, release. Need for Speed. Yeah, okay. uh, so big video games. Big video games, yeah. Um, and a lot of those, especially in there, you know, I entered that industry kind of as the transition from the PS2 era, PlayStation 2 era, into the Xbox 360, PS3, all the way up to the, the more modern consoles. Um Early on in the, the game, we used to, you know, there would be some licensed musics in the game, but they would also have the sound designers compose a lot of the stuff to fill out sure. all those, you know, billion different submenus that you have in a video game. Yep. And uh, that was a really joyous experience. You know, it uh, gave you a chance to not only, 
you know, be cool with and try out different sounds, but to try out different genres of music and all that, depending on whatever game you were working on. So for Madden, the sounds of all the hits and everything, did you guys have to, were you actually tackling people in your office in order to <laughs> not, not, not at the office. No, we'd actually go out on uh, at various locations and, you know, have athletes do all this stuff for us and, and get the, or, you know, <laughs> pad clacks or any of that kind of stuff, you know, certainly very much like fully for a uh, Yeah, a I know. So yeah. coconut for the horses. Yeah, exactly. I know there's a lot of horses uh, in Madden. We had, I know yeah. one of the uh, mixed martial arts games, we just had like a big roast beef and everybody's punching the beef, you know. So <laughs> hilarious. Back to the meat thing. So, uh, yeah. And that was real meat. That was not, that was not any soy. kind of yeah. soy-based or alternative Although there was meat. one of those, uh, I think we were doing uh, Warhammer. We were doing the sound design for Warhammer. And, As we uh, all do sometimes. Yeah. And uh, we were trying to get the sound of, you know, like, battle scenes or whatnot so we brought in all this fruit like watermelons and stuff and we had just tarped the entire sound stage and we were just sitting there with katanas and stuff and swords and knives like making fruit salad right you know it's like and we had a nice uh feast afterwards yeah. i would not eat any of that <laughs> afterwards i don't know where your katana has been but yeah. i can tell you that uh, it's probably not clean enough for me yeah yeah I don't want to say that I'm a germaphobe, but yeah. that's not going to cut it. Yeah, literally and figuratively for me. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was later on. Uh, I, I did a lot of that stuff, and it was a lot of fun. We had some great people I work with there. So, from a uh, music perspective, I understand that you had a uh, you would call it an accidental accident uh, accidental no accidental contribution to a Billboard album. Yes. So uh, way back. Another world, another time. Okay, going way back uh, in the 90s, I was a, like, basically how I started my career is I was a synthesizer programmer. And we're talking like the old Oberheim and Roland synthesizers back when if you wanted cool sounds, you had to make them yourself. You didn't have like a thousand presets kind of thing. Uh, So I learned how to do that um, and just became this kind of technical guy wound up getting hired as a record mastering engineer, like vinyl record mastering engineer Oh, very way cool. back in the day, yeah. which is way more of an alchemy than a science, right? You got right. this huge grand piano looking thing that's, you know, cutting into uh, acetate. Well, something you have to take into consideration is there's a needle and there's a groove. And if you don't mix it right, it can actually knock the needle out of oh, the groove, yeah. right? Yeah, you use the microscope to set that. Uh, oh it's like gosh. how 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 much amplitude you could give it, which was kind of the loudness of the album. But if you made it too loud, it would break into the other grooves. But we also used to do other stuff too, like lock groove albums, which were like sample loops almost. Like you'd drop the needle, but you didn't have an advancer on the uh, the cutting lathe. And it would cut a perfect circle in the uh, the vinyl that you could feed sound into, and then you could move it manually, and you could put like a hundred loops on an album. So if somebody put a <laughs> the needle down, it would just play that loop endlessly over and, and over again. And if you picked it up and moved it over a couple grooves, it would play something else. Anyway, I digress. Um, what had happened there was I really got into the whole electronic music scene when that just kind of came out in mid '90s. So what I would do is I'd I feel be, like that's a different way than a lot of people got into the music oh, electronic yeah. music scene in the mid 90s but you know the funny part about that is what I would do is I would you know spend a good chunk of my week and down in the basement making electronic music tracks and then after I got done with my shift as a record mastering engineer I would just buy an extra acetate cut an album of like 
here's the latest thing that I've done in my basement or whatever. And then that Saturday night, go down to the dance club and just hand the DJ an album, say, could you play this for me? And sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. And it was great because if they did, uh, you know, you could like kind of watch the audience reaction. This is how you like evolved as a composer. Is like, did people were you they into can it? See it? On yeah, a, were they yeah. into it and, and or not, feedback. or did they just yeah. migrate to the bar? And uh, it was you know <laughs> funny because uh, yeah, it definitely had many times where they just kind of migrated to the bar. But there was those times that it was like yeah, you you got into a groove and uh, people were loving it, and you're like, I made this, and they're like, you're drunk. <laughs> so uh, you know, they never believe be true. it. Yeah, they never believe it. Um, so. But the local DJ community noticed that. They're like, there's this guy that's like coming out and he's bringing albums. And so I used to help them cut their their demos and acetates and stuff as well. And uh, one of them, his name was DJ Dealer. He, uh, he had had a connection with 8-Ball Records. And he said, hey, I'm working on a pretty high-profile project for Joey Cardwell. Would you like to be a part of this? Uh, to help with programming and some of the keyboard parts. And I'm like, sure. And I went over to this guy's basement and he had like an ARP 2600 and all these other like awesome vintage synths. And we spent the evening doing a remix for Joey Cardwell. It was a song called You Gotta Pray. And, uh, you know, we even got paid sort of like between the three of us, we got like 500 bucks. And I was so excited because like I never had been paid for a remix, you know. And uh, weeks go by and my friend says, hey, that song is number 36 on the uh, Billboard Top 100. And I just, I couldn't even fathom that, like, at that age, you know. It's like, oh, my God, we're on the Billboard. And we just kind of watched in awe as a week after week, that thing just climbed and climbed and climbed. And, uh, yeah, in September 96, it sat there for two weeks That's at cool. number one. That's and, uh, you know, I, I had, I was going under the alias Kid Sonic back then. And, uh it was cool to see, a, you know, a number one album and it's, you know, produced by and it's got all of our names on there. And uh, and it actually was kind of my, you know, resume breaker, I guess, to get into the audio industry professionally. Because uh, like, you went in. OK, so let me ask you then on your resume at that point. Yeah. Jesse Allen, Jesse James Allen, Kid Sonic, <laughs> Jesse James Allen, a.k.a. Kid Sonic. Yeah. Like, what did you do? Uh well, in the music world, I was Kid Sonic, and then just, you know, my professional life, I was just Justin James Allen. Um, but it was kind of interesting, because I had just been a second engineer or intern at, you know, studios trying to work my way up, and that was kind of an interesting turning point, is like, hey, guess what? The intern just did this, you know, kind of thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it led to bigger things, and that was, it. and that kind of, like, progressed into a lot of different parts of my life, so. Well, and and we'll get into um, maybe some life experiences or some recommendations, advice you would have, but I, what I find interesting about that is you were going out and you were just putting yourself out there. Yeah. Right? You were giving your stuff up regardless of what was going to happen with it. And it's interesting from, I always think of uh, Generation X, or, or maybe this is just my experience, and, and maybe you can uh, tell me if I'm, this was something that you felt as well, was that you, you had to keep your ideas to yourself because you were constantly afraid. Like the, the narrative was that people were going to steal them. Right. Don't go out and share. Just do your thing. Try to figure it out yourself. And frankly, that's almost always a formula for never getting anything out there. Right. Right. So the fact that you were going out there, that DJ could have 
kept that album and said it was his or her own. Definitely. And uh, but you were going out there and doing that because that was the way to to learn and to grow. Absolutely. And I, I also watched a lot of my friends in that era that, you know, they were kind of paralyzed by the thought of like, hey, I have to make the perfect album. I have to make like right. literally make the, you know, game changer album that I can release and then become successful. And for me, it was like trial and error. I just like put stuff out there just consistently. Keep going. Um, and I didn't really worry about having the perfect track. Yeah. And uh, and I was all very open even at that time about how I created things or whatever. I helped a lot of other DJs like learn programming and, you know, that kind of stuff. I'd sit down with them. Uh, you have an awesome synth. Let me show you what you can do with it and all that stuff. And I think overall, and I still adopt that philosophy today, it has gotten me so much further than if I would have just tried to, you know, hiding your lightning under the, the artist and, yeah. you know, hiding down and I'm not ready yet, but someday I'm going to release right. Good call. All right, so let's leave it at that for now. Uh, it's the end of the first hour already. All right. It goes by fast. This is awesome. Yeah, I can release you back out into the world probably on time unless I decide to keep you for a while longer. Uh, we're going to play some commercials, and then we come back. New Indiana from their brand-new album. Uh, so it is New Indiana. It's not just Indiana that happens to be new. It's a new album from New Indiana. I feel like I'm over-explaining it. Darkness Sunshine with Palindrome. Or Darkness Sunshine is the name of the album, and the name of the song is Palindrome. On WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to a certain degree. Jesse, James, Allen, we'll be back shortly. Stick around. Okay. Oh, wait, were you, ta- were you talking to me? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, I'll stick around, too. Yeah, yeah. This episode was recorded live on January 14th, 2019, on WPRK 91.5 FM. WPRK is one of the best college radio stations in the Southeast, I would argue in the world. I'm biased, but listen, it's volunteer-based, so you've got an eclectic mix of people, you've got an eclectic mix of music and talk, and, you know, if you have any inclination, if you have any history with terrestrial radio, you'll enjoy it. And if you like music, you'll really enjoy it. So tune in early and often. You can stream it at WPRK.org. You can listen at 91.5 FM. Thanks. New Indiana on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from their brand new album, Darkness, Sunshine. That was Palindrome. I'm not sure if that's how they want me to pronounce it, but that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Good morning. My name is Nick. This is the second hour of To a Certain Degree. Every week I have a very special guest. This week is no exception. Jesse James Allen is here. Hello. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning. Thank you so much for making time for me today. I know you got to get to work here fairly soon, but we do have another hour to go, you and I. Awesome. It'll go by quickly. It's a great way to start the week. <sighs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I had to think about that for a second, but yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much is. Uh, for me... It is. Um, so that's why I was considering it, because for me, it's great because I get to talk to people I don't know. I get to get to know them a little bit better. I get to see if they have different experiences and how they went about things. So hopefully I can learn a little bit from them. And if anybody wants to listen to any of those conversations, to a certain com is the place that they can go. If you want to learn more about Jesse, you can find him, Jesse James Allen, on Instagram, on Vimeo, on LinkedIn, good way to connect with you and figure that out. And then if you are going to 
some of the storytelling and other events around town, um, you're probably going to see him there too. Those are great places. Just look for him. Yeah. I'm not going to describe you at all. I'll be the guy. You're the one guy over there. Jesse, I thought you were the perfect person to help me with this. We're going to change up bad business ideas for 2019. All right. A little bit. And, you know, it's a new year. It's a new calendar. For another couple of weeks, we're going to be making the wrong date on checks or forms that we're filling out. Right. And in that vein, I wanted to change up bad business ideas. Instead of just pitching you two wonderful business startups that you get to decide on and then you have to start up one of them, um, whichever one you pick, I want to take all of the bad for one topic and try to fix it. Okay. And the one that I want to do, and I feel like it's it's important because I feel like I had I had this opportunity through radio and a couple of other things to really find my voice and to get out there. And we were talking about uh, things like Orlando Story Club and the things that you do out there. When I say, so we're going to solve something. When I say glossophobia, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, fear of shiny objects. <laughs> close, close. Phobia which means fear of, and glosso. I'm Greek, so I know this, of course, which means everyone is judging me all the time because they're jerks, but really I'm the jerk. It's, it's the fear of public speaking. <laughs> okay. Um, obviously, it's horrific. It stops people from doing things. And, you know, I, I think it's a big uh, part of people not getting out there and doing, taking chances right. and doing new things because they're afraid of how they might look or getting on stage at some point because we have all these opportunities to do that it's like a top five fear for most people. Right. There's like spiders, this, um, manatees, and a couple of other things. Manatees. I'm not sure what else. I love that. I'm <laughs> horrified by them. Okay. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to fix this. All right. So there's a couple of things that I'd like to get your opinion on. You already know about storytelling. So you, you participate in Orlando Story Club. You go to a lot of different events. And you have a little bit of a technology event. So let's start out. Uh, I uh, came up with an idea called augmented unmentionables. Okay. What's the thing that people say to imagine the audience to help you like calm down and put you on an even playing field with the audience? What do they say to do to imagine when you're talking to a group? The most typical response to that is imagine that your audience is naked. Right. So an augmented reality type of thing, maybe it goes on your glasses or otherwise, where it actually makes... Then let's not go naked, but it puts everybody in the audience in their underwear. You actually see them in their unmentionables right. rather than in their clothes. Right. I think this has a lot of applications beyond public speaking. I'll be <laughs> honest with you. But okay. I think this is one that really, really could help people. What do you think about that one? I, I think some people could really benefit from that. Technology-wise, how easy, difficult, like how long would it take you to do, and could you have a prototype on my desk by next week? Oh, man. By next week, that might be a little bit of a challenge. But, right. but it's Two one weeks. of those things, like you don't know like at what level. It could be kind of like an animated, kind of funny you know, version of a person, not uh-huh. like photorealistic kind of thing, might, which might actually make it better. Because like everybody looked like you know they had real heads, but they had these kind of bizarre little cartoon, cartoon bodies. bodies. Oh, that, that would help. That, yeah, that might actually that, make it funny. Although you might be laughing through your whole presentation. Very there. distracting, but that's good. Yeah, I mean that's what I try to do is either I'm laughing or the audience is laughing. Right. One of those two things indicates to me that it's a win. 
It, but if you get up on stage and you just start laughing for the entire time, I mean, maybe that would be therapeutic for the audience too. So yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. I, you know, just from an uncomfortability standpoint, just to see what the audience, how the reaction would go. Right. Laughing on stage for five minutes. Yeah. Everybody's laughing because you're laughing, but nobody knows why. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Or just to be silent for three minutes and then laugh for the last two. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Okay. Confidence. Okay. Is obviously a big issue. Right. So what I'm thinking is, you, have you ever gone through that sort of joke or, you know, made that dad joke about how, yeah, I don't have any friends, you know, my mom paid for them, something along those lines. Right. Let's actually do that. Okay. With uh, an organization, a startup called Your Mama. Okay. And what's going to happen is we're going to, uh, through probably your mom, let's face it, she's probably the only one who's going to do this. We're going to make you more confident leading up to whatever it is that you're doing this presentation, whether it's at work or something else or something that you're trying to do by paying your friends to just be more attentive. Right. Now, more than likely you have great friends already. A lot of friends listen to this show, but let's just give them a little more incentive to really, Jesse, man, you are so funny. I can't (laughs) wait for you at Orlando Story Club. Um, A lot of stuff on Facebook, a lot of stuff on just yeah, Hopefully here goes the police the, on that idea. Yeah. On that idea, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that's the uh, that's the idea behind it is to really really build you up right. and help with your confidence because obviously that's that's an issue, right? You 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 go into regardless of how confident you are in the real world, you might get in front of people and you you can't speak at all, right? So it's kind of like paying for likes on Instagram, but for. And more IRL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with paying for likes on Instagram or Facebook, right? Yeah. I, My understanding sure. is that's perfectly fine. <laughs> have, I'm not kept up with the industry. Is that still cool I, that I, we do I, that? I have no idea. But I did see a video <laughs> of what that looks like. And they have this, like, you know, robot farm that actually goes through your stream and does all that. But, yeah, that would be interesting. Okay. So let's go on to another idea. Mm-hmm. So this is, it may be a few of these, it may be all of these. So that's what I'm hoping you can help me out with. Okay. Um, Stagecoach. Stagecoach. So do you remember in Star Wars Episode Four, Obi-Wan is uh, showing Luke how to fight with a lightsaber with, he put the blinder on and then he's trying to hit the thing. Feel the force. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know how that's analogous to this idea, but that, that's what struck me when I was thinking of this. We're going to come in and build a stage lighting everything in your house. Cool. And then we could projection map actually an audience there as well. So you can't, it's kind of a smart home kind of play as well. Yeah. So you can't leave the house or, you know, access the refrigerator or the bathroom until you get on stage, the stage that's in your house and do something, perform something. So you are forced to get up there on the stage. And even though it's a virtual audience, maybe we'll web enable it so it's an actual audience. Sure. You know, it's kind of a Google Hangouts thing. But Stagecoach is really going to force you to do things because otherwise you won't survive. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. It's like the I holodeck kind of. Yeah, I, I think if you're more it's like scared... holodeck meets the movie Saw. Kinda. Exactly. <laughs> you're more scared of dying than you are of public speaking. Yeah. Right. I would say that for most people, dying is right up there. Right. So that's uh, that's stagecoach. Right. So you good with that one? How's your construction skills? Uh, we'll make it work. I'm gonna okay. it. Okay. Perfect. I, I think it's you know we can kind of pre-build some stages. Sure. And and that sort of thing. All right. Whether it's science fiction or science fact, sooner or later we will be able to travel through time. Cool. So you're giving a speech 
and you kind of mess up a word, right. let's say. What I want to do in that case is have your phone listening to it. Realize that the word is not the right word. Right. But then actually send that word back in time so that it becomes a real word. <laughs> okay. Does cool. that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So if, for example, you know, you stumble over something or you say, uh, you know, you, you make the mistake of a metaphor and, you, you know, he couldn't uh, fight a gift horse in the mouth through a wet paper sack. Okay. What your phone will do is actually hear that go, well, that was dumb. Right. And obviously not right. I'm going to take that phrase, send it back in time to someone, our agent who is maybe in the 1500s. Right. You know, right around Gutenberg Press kind of area and make that a phrase in some publication back then. It's the butterfly effect. And uh, we've got it. And that's a phrase. And everybody goes, I know what cafefe means. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, oh, that would on this one. come in handy for yeah. that as well. That's too bad. Uh, so <laughs> what do you think about that one? Yeah, it's, that's solid. The time travel thing, that's going to take some work, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. I mean, yeah. it's going to happen, right? I've seen movies. We're, we're going to figure it out, and then we're going to travel back in time to figure it out earlier. Is that how that works? Oh, maybe. Yeah. I, I just think there's this there's just this poetic wonderfulness of... Imagining the person we send back to be that agent of change is Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh yeah, it must be. It like just time cop it every time, all the time. I yeah. really like that. Um, obviously, we can also look at ways that get you out of it entirely, right? So there's a beside yourself. What we can do is send a replacement. We find somebody who's going to look exactly like you and go and do it for you. Cool. I, I, this is not my preference mm -hmm. because I feel like this is a thing. This is something that's going, you're going to have to do if you want to get better as a person. And I truly believe that. I truly believe finding your voice is incredibly important. Oh yeah, totally. And all of these are obviously wonderful ideas, but the, the real way to do this is just to go out and do it over and over and over again and potentially fail, potentially put yourself out there and, you know, maybe you think you will look foolish, but for the most part, you know, people won't care. No. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and if you, if they do care, this is the last one. So that was beside yourself. That would be the replacement. So what we'd have to do is give people plastic surgery, make them look exactly like you learn, like spend a few months with you. Right. And eventually just become you. Now cut and run is a little bit different. You're going to get out of it entirely we're going to fake your death. Oh, my gosh. So depending on how extreme you feel about public speaking, mm -hmm. this might be a good option for you. Right. So you're going to say, uh, no, I can't do it. You know, I signed up for this thing or I've got to do this presentation for work and I just cannot do it. Please fake my death and I'm going to move down to the Caribbean <laughs> or otherwise somewhere else entirely. Cool. And that's what we would do. That's the service a valuable service that we provide. What do you think about that one? Uh, that's pretty extreme, but, uh -huh. uh, you know, if you want to retire in the Caribbean and... Uh... <laughs> Have you ever been at a point like you're doing a presentation or something and you just wanted to call in a bomb threat? I'm like, <laughs> I, I just, I just, I can't do it. No. Not no. quite there? No, that, I've never, that, <laughs> no. No. What are, out of those, let me go back through them. There was cut and run beside yourself. Time out is the time travel one. Stagecoach is the uh, death smart home with the stage. Right. Uh, your mama and augmented unmentionables. I mean, I just, 
when I was thinking about having you on the show, Augmented Unmentionables was like, oh, that's the one right. that he's going to do. But do you have a favorite? Do you have one that you would, uh, uh, the, you know, I wish I had this at my disposal early on in my career? Oh, yeah, man. The stagecoach one would be awesome. You could just, uh, you know, do a holodeck kind of thing and get used to how it feels. And then you're like, I got this, you know, walk out in the world. Because they say that, you know, you're supposed to do it in front of friends. You're supposed yeah. to do it in front of the mirror. You can record yourself and watch it. But really, the threat of death, right? I feel like, is going to be much more motivating. Oh, yeah. Than anything else. Like, I got to go. Got to make this happen. So, and, you know, the, the computer part of it could be like Skynet or HAL 9000 sure. or... Was Sorry, it 9000? Yeah. Sorry, that I think conversation was. was not great, Dave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why don't you practice that speech again? Yeah. Let me try Jesse, one more time. Jesse, why don't you change some of the wording in that? Sorry. It's unclear. Yeah, exactly. All right, Jesse, you can leave your house now. <laughs> Open the bathroom door, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Well, thank you for that. I feel like we've solved public speaking, which is what we do. Yeah. We're problem solvers. That's right. Is it? Uh, you know, my favorite of your bad business ideas is the one where it's like Uber, but the restaurants bid on where you're actually oh, going to get. Bus. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, that had us dying at Pachacasha. So it's Uber meeting, meets eBay. Oh, my gosh. That was great. Brilliant. Okay. That probably will become a thing. You know that, right? I am 90% sure I'm working on funding for that right now. <laughs> I'm sure Denny's is like, here you go, but whatever you need. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to work with Denny's. No, no offense, Denny. If there's any Denny's listening, Denny's, I you're apologize. All you're all good. Yeah, you're fine. Moon, moon over my hammy. Yeah. Every once in a while, you need something like that. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's take a break. We're going to play a song. We've got, let's see here. The name of the band is Neon Saturdays. I don't think that's how you're supposed to pronounce Neon it. Neon Saturdays. That's better. Yeah. Neon Saturdays with their new album, Freaks in the Ocean. Hmm. Okay. Since 17 on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to a certain degree. Happy birthday, Deli Fresh Threads. Anthony Biggie Bencomo was on episode 100 of To a Certain Degree back, way back in the summer of 2018, a simpler time. And I just wanted to wish him a happy birthday. Six years he's been doing Deli Fresh Threads. It's all sandwich-based fashion and t-shirts and other accoutrement. The sandwich is the perfect food. And as far as I know, it's the only food that was inspired by gambling. That's right, the Earl of Sandwich, the reason he ordered it is because he didn't want to leave the Baccarat table. I'm not sure what he was playing. Let's just say it was Baccarat. How's that? Anyway. Go to DeliFreshThreads.com, talk to Big E at one of the events that he'll be at around town, order something, follow him on Facebook and the Instagrams, and get to a sandwich eat-up. He does these events every month just to promote local sandwich shops. Sandwich eat-ups, go to them. Neon Saturdays on WPRK. Winter Park, Florida. Freaks in the Ocean is the brand new album. And the song is named Since 17. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree. I have a very special guest every week. This week is no exception. Jesse James Allen is here. Jesse, good morning. Hello. Uh, you can learn more about Jesse on Vimeo, 
on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Just search for Jesse James Allen. You will see uh, his, some of his video project. You will hear his music. You will see his photography. Some of the things that he's working on, too many to list here. But if you missed any of the show, you can also listen to that at to a certain degree com and learn a little bit more about him and the projects that he's working on. I want to go back a step. Okay. I want to learn a little bit more about you through the lens of sort of coming out of high school. Sure. What was the expectation you had for yourself? Um, and then what actually happened? Right. So I guess I got to kind of put a little bit of context on this. This was very early 90s. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like the transition between the analog era and the digital era. And uh, in high school, I wound up getting selected to go to this magnet school that was like privately funded, but it was a public school. Yeah. And that's where I learned um, filmmaking. Um, there was a radio class. Oh, there was nice. audio engineering. And I had studied music there for like two years. And uh, it was kind of like, hey, I got to pick a, a college Um yeah, my father was just total blue collar guy, single dad, didn't have a lot of money, that kind of thing. But we were trying to figure out something that I could get into to kind of pursue those. Um, and obviously, so was it always college or was it let's figure out what you're doing next so that you have a foundation to take care of yourself? Yeah, I think, you know, my dad really wanted me to, you know, be prepared to deal with the world. Uh, we didn't know exactly what that would be in my case. You know, I had all these interests. I was, I loved programming synthesizers and all that stuff, but it was really obscure. It was real fringe tech at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked at several schools. I know like Full Sail was just kind of starting up and, and there was, of course, like Berkeley College Music, which was awesome, but really expensive at the time. And uh, I kind of did a... Uh, you know, a deep exploration of what can I do to get the most bang for the buck kind of thing. So I met with my school counselors and the lady who ran our radio programming class said, I bet I can get you an internship if you just want to try it out. And so I enrolled in community college because I was doing good at math and uh, I was studied electronic theory and design just at uh, like a vocational school, Mm -hmm. I should say. Um, And then I started working as an intern and it was cool because I kind of had a leg up on a lot of the engineers at that time and that I had been exposed to working with digital tools, uh, which were still new in the industry as a full-time professional thing. Uh, So essentially I was like the tech guy, right? I was the IT of audio kind of guy. And uh, they would teach me traditional audio engineering and I would teach them about you know, the new things you can do with digital technology, samplers and digital editing and all that kind of stuff. And it just started snowballing. You know, I just got better and better positions um, until, yeah, like, you know, I, I, earlier in the show, we talked about the the crazy situation, accidentally making a number one album, you know, or being part of it, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, and that, along with a bunch of recommendations from people that I had worked with as an intern or whatnot, uh, gave me a chief audio engineering position. Uh, and ironically, at the same place that I started my very first internship with, uh, it was the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. We had a media building. We did documentary film and all that kind of stuff and some support for live theatrical production, which is where I fell in love with all 
things, you know, lighting and, and how to, you know, create moods and environments and stuff with lighting and sound, uh, hugely in a, uh, influential in my future life, I guess. But it was one of those things that like looking at it forward, it didn't make any sense. It was just kind of, I wouldn't maybe not say go with your gut or go with your passion is go with your curiosity Right. It was like, well, that's intriguing. Let's learn a little bit about that. Not knowing like what that would ultimately become, because the things I've done in, you know, let's say the past 20, 30 years or so have all been like, you know, I couldn't have mapped that out in high school. You know, right. Right. Video game sound designer was not a thing when I was a senior, you know. (laughs) So um, and I encourage people who are in that situation now, you know, you're looking at prospective jobs and you're trying to like, oh, do I need to go to college? I want to study this. Consider the fact that the after you get out of college, the thing that you might want to be is being phased out. Technology is advanced and it's moving on to the next thing. Try to think of like how much information can I get now that will be applicable and who knows what as we get further along in life. Right, because the thing that you might want to do that you end up doing may not even have been identified yet. Right, but if you're curious and you explore so many different disciplines you just kind of have a better vocabulary for creativity, right? And that is really the key ingredient to, to moving on and learning how to adapt to new technologies and new ways of thinking, you know? Right, rather than be being scared of it or trying to hold on to your technology so that it doesn't go away. You right, have and to I, adapt. I, I think especially in the uh, audio world, a lot of people feel that way. They're like, I just need to learn this specific set of software and, and that'll carry me through. I mean, the industry something can come out of left field that just disrupts that whole thing. And now it's done in an entirely different way. Not that that knowledge is irrelevant. It's just, you have to expect that it's impermanent, you know? So from a video game composing perspective, what instrument, I mean, did you learn to play instruments growing up or was this something that came up later? Um, so in high school, I started learning how to play the piano uh, my dad was uh, a collector of all like antiquities, I guess. We, I grew up with a bunch of jukeboxes in the house and there was a player piano. And what I would do on the player piano is I'd load up the piano roll and then I'd play it really slow and I could just watch what keys went down and then memorize. I could flip it off and try the same patterns then turn it back on and play a little more and I'd memorize that part. And uh, so it was like having a piano teacher always. Uh-huh. Um, but you didn't have to talk to anybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but later on, of course, I did take you know some uh, piano lessons and I wouldn't say I'm like an expert pianist or anything like that. Um, I, from a sound design perspective, I'm more interested in what the sound is to create the music and not all of that is necessarily notes. It's kind of like textures, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I did have some formal training in it, but I'm not a concert pianist or anything like that. So did you go to college eventually? I never did. Um, it, it just was kind of, again, it's time and place. By the time I had ramped up through my internships, what I had learned to become was something that was in demand. So uh, essentially, like as I, you know, got to a certain proficiency, people were like, we're looking for somebody that knows that tech. Right. And I got in. Uh, I First thing I was doing was uh, I was a Sonic Solutions editor, which was like the higher end version of Pro Tools back in the day. Oh, okay. I mean, it's it's trivial compared to what software is out there now, but a nonlinear digital editor was totally an obscure thing right. when I first started that. New and rare and yeah, all that people stuff. People are like, yeah. what? You're not using tape? What? What's going on here? You know? 
Well, I wonder too if it's easier in that sort of position to, you know, the the credential is important. We always talk about the credential, the the college degree, getting your foot in the door, oh, being yeah. that, you know, it's a checkbox, right, for Definitely. a lot of people and a lot of organizations. But when it comes to having more of a creative background, um, you can show your portfolio right. more often and say, this is what I've done right. rather than say, okay, I went to college here. Sure. And so I think that's interesting and important too, is that how do we, regardless of what you're doing, you have a portfolio of work. Yeah. Some of it you can't show, of course, because you, you know, maybe it's uh, uh, specific to an organization or it's, you know, it's a business plan that you can't share or something along those lines, but there has to be a way to show that portfolio. So you're really talking about what you're doing and what you've done in terms of concrete things. Right. So a great example of that is when I decided to leave the world of just being an audio engineer and going into the video game world. And I, that was the question I would get all the time. How on earth did you get into the video game industry? And uh, at that time, I mean, this is like pre-LinkedIn, right? <laughs> there was nothing, you know, yeah. there wasn't there wasn't really YouTube wasn't really much of a thing either. Um, so, you know, it was. Did lit- you just bring a boom box to yeah, every exactly. job? All right, here we go. No. Um, so what happened there was, uh, of course, I had, you know, done my projects at work. But as I kind of do now, there was always the side project. And back then, um, you know, I totally fell in love with cars and more so not just like, oh, you know, cars as far as engines and whatnot. But it was about the community that was being built up around these Japanese cars. And this was like pre Fast and the Furious era. So anybody Wait, that wanted there to, a pre fast and the oh furious? yeah yeah so I got into Japanese cars and this seems like this is total detraction on from what I'm you know the story but it's totally on 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 the line um, I got into this community and I said man this is really a cool group of people these are really interesting cars it's really interesting how we're like modifying them and everything and coming from a studio that did a lot of documentaries. They were finishing up on a year of uh, emergency vets, which used to be this like uh, drama thing on uh, Animal Planet. Yeah. Um, And they were selling off their equipment at the end of the season to buy better equipment. And I emptied out my savings account and I bought all the equipment they sold. So I had a steady cam and I had a, you know, a DV cam, uh, pre HD era, that kind of stuff. And I filmed this documentary about these Japanese cars. um, And you know, sold it on VHS tape through the internet on, you know, uh, forums, car forums, and got a little bit of a following because most of those types of videos were coming over from Japan and nobody could understand what they were saying, but they love the cars. And all of a sudden now they had something that was local and they're like, Hey, can we get involved? Uh, I made a second one of those and made a pretty good amount of money on that one too. And, um, by the time that I got talking with electronic arts, I was like, man, I'm a huge fan of like your Need for Speed series and and such. And I'm a sound designer. I'd love to be part of this. And you know, they it was kind of like they would have like a phone call with me, and then I wouldn't hear from them for like six months or sure. something. Another phone call. And what I was doing in the era before like LinkedIn and all that stuff is I was working on this film. And if I progressed a little bit, I would send their uh, HR guy hey, you know, here's a newspaper article they did about this movie that I'm working on. Here's a couple scenes of this 
film that I'm working on. Here's some music that I composed for this film. And it was, I never even asked them for the job, right? It was just like, we're having this conversation. Here's just kind of what the latest is with my life. And uh, what had happened was, you know, <laughs> and how I got that conversation going in the first place was that I saw that they wanted a texture artist on monster.com. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not a texture artist, but, but I love the, I love cars <laughs> and I love your games and I, you know, I want to get involved with it. And, uh, and it was just that course of like presenting myself over and over again. And it wasn't even the final perfect film. It was like, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I love doing. Those little moments in time added up. And they said, you know, our lead sound designer from NASCAR, uh, we're going to change him out and we want you to be the lead sound designer for NASCAR. And it was well over a year and we're talking very sparse communication in mm -hmm. that time. But he said, you know, they told me like when we, you know, we brought up the list of candidates, it was you by an overwhelming majority because they're like, this guy eats, breathes and sleeps sound and cars. So obviously the right guy to bring in for this. Right. And that was my entrance to that. And I wound up making like eight of those games uh, for NASCAR specifically and then branched out to other titles that that studio did. And, uh, you know, it was the most in, like nobody could have planned that way into the industry. Right. It was just purely out of, you know, they could see that that's what I liked. And then later as I became like a hiring manager, those are the types of people that you want. When you see the guy that just sends in the demo reel and like, yeah, I went to this college and that's it. That's all they want to talk about versus the guy that's like, yeah, I've built like 12 indie games and you know, some of them may not work perfectly or anything like that, but you're like this guy, like, he cannot not do this, right? Like this is the thing that they're so passionate about. Those are the guys we'd always pull in. Yeah. You know, it's like the guy that sends you the the box of like, you know, indie games, try them out. You know, and this is what I was thinking here. This is what I like. Here's also some cash. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not. But uh, just, you know, are you passionate about it? And uh, and it shows. And those people, every time we brought them in and say they're interns or, or you know, um, employees, they always just shined. You know, because that's that's what they love to do for a living. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, that was very helpful. I think that uh, all the high schoolers that are listening, uh, who have been in school for about uh, a little over an hour now, who probably are not listening, but listen later. Right. I'm gonna make my son listen to this. Um, that is good advice. Yeah. All right. So let's play a song, and then we're gonna come back and talk about cars. All right. Because you know what today is. The auto show. The auto show starts today. The 2019 North American International Auto Show in Detroit, Michigan, uh, which is struggling a little bit. We'll have to maybe solve all of their problems too. But let's listen to a song first, so we can kind of gather ourselves. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. I pulled it. I have no idea how to pronounce it. Nehiyawek, uh from their album Starlight. This is uh, going to be a song called Copper. What do you think about that? Sure. Nehiyawek. Yeah, that's... Uh, you're not even going to try it, are you? Uh, I think you've Perfect. got it. Yeah. Great. I Thank think you've you got so it. much. You're going to hear that on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. The To Be Decided is a YouTube channel where hosts Miller and Davis tell some stories, review music, and generally make really great content. Miller is also responsible for all the bumper music on this episode, in case you were wondering. Check out youtube.com slash the To Be Decided for more I highly recommend a video they recently did about a Japanese folk band called Fishmans. 
check that one out for sure. That's sort of your gateway, not your gateway drug, but a gateway into some of the other videos that they have there. Enjoy. Again, youtube.com slash the to be decided. Nehiyawek on WPRK in Winter Park, Florida from their brand new album, Starlight. That was Copper. Yeah, okay. That's all cool. I had to say about that. Uh, my name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree. Every week I have a very special guest. This week, no exception, Jesse James Allen is here. Hello, everyone. Jesse, um, we got to go soon. Are you going to be okay? Yeah. All right. You can be found on the Instagram. I am. You can be found on the Vimeo. Yes. And on the LinkedIn. Yes. Jesse James Allen. Okay. Yep. Great. Good to know. Also, there's a podcast at your current employer. Yeah. Experience Imagination. So you can kind of hear a little inside of all the, the cool things that I'm involved with. Great. A bunch of really cool people. As a car guy. Mm-hmm. Today, I don't know if today's exciting anymore. Like, do they do big reveals at the auto shows anymore? So today is the start of the 2019 North American International Auto Show in Detroit, Michigan. This used to be the big one. Oh, yeah. And uh, is it big anymore? You know, I don't feel like it is. And, I, and I'm in the car community and mm-hmm. definitely in the car scene. I mean, certainly the Geneva Auto Salon is really amazing, you know. Uh Detroit, I, every now and then, you know, you get the the surprise thing. Like we had the the Hellcat and the Demon that came out not too long ago, and those were totally like what. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I think it's it's hard to stand out these days. It really is. Yeah, and I think Cadillac just announced this morning they have an all electric SUV. Sure. Um, so they unveiled that. But Audi, BMW, Mercedes. Let's do a little pop quiz. I want to okay. see how well versed you are. Volvo, Porsche, Jaguar, and Land Rover, among others, mm-hmm. did not do Detroit this year. Okay. They said, we're not going to do it. How come? Was it A, some automakers prefer to roll out new models and tech at events like the Consumer Electronics Show? B, they just got behind because all the engineers were really into Fortnite? Or C, <laughs> it's Detroit in January? Um, I would probably go A because... Um Really, a lot of people that are looking at new vehicles are like, how does it interface with my life? That kind of thing. Yep. Okay. And it's actually a little bit because of Detroit in January. Um, So they're moving it next year in 2020. It's going to be in June. Okay. So they're moving traditionally a January event that they're moving to June because of that. Are you, Jesse, excited about the Toyota Supra coming back? A little bit. I mean, that car, it had... Unreal expectations from the fan base, right? Everybody, I think they pretty much just wanted the the car that, you know, was the 90s Street King to come back just way more powerful. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of the expectation. Um, and it came out different, right? And I don't think Very that they were yeah. ready for different. Um, I, I was a big MR2 fan back in the day, and I remember the last generation MR2 was kind of the same thing. We actually had Toyota show up at the club, and everybody was like, oh, it's going to be amazing. And they you know, pulled the cover off, and we're like, okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I don't think it's bad. Uh, Super definitely looks like it's a, a, a decent vehicle, and um, you know, I've, I've driven them around in virtual reality. It's on Gran Turismo Sport. It's awesome. Very nice. But, uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things that you would never be able to make it what the fans thought it would be. 
Well, let me ask you this. If you were to make it a little more super, uh, <laughs> what fictional tech, what one piece of fictional tech would you add to uh, make that Toyota sports car a little bit better? Would it be uh, Kit's Turbo Boost from Knight Rider? So you jump over Sweet. stuff. Sweet. The fire guitar player from Mad Max. You just have that guy on oh, your hood all the time. This is hard already. Or the cutter blades from the Mach 5. Hmm. Man, between those first two, that's really hard. Probably the turbo is a little more practical, but man, right? Because you be, have to house. If you the guitar were coming player, down the street with the guitar player, you would <laughs> you would own cars and coffee, right? Uh, you absolutely would. Yeah. What I um, saw for the first time when it came to the Supra and then the new Passat, I think it was, is the camouflage they use. Oh yeah, because like they need to test the cars. Right. They want to, people to test drive them. But they don't want you to be able to take pictures. Right. And so they have, you know, there's a community around wherever you're going to test drive these cars. There's going to be people with uh, long, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, I'm five lenses. blocks away in and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can see it. Um, yeah. So they do. It's not like traditional camouflage you would see on fatigues or anything. It's more like this kind of somewhere between MC Escher and just geometric shapes. Right. That they put on there that when you take a picture, you can't really tell. Right. Where the thing was. What other ways would you disguise cars so that when people could drive them, yeah, could see what they're like? You mentioned virtual; that would be a way. Uh, actually, Mercedes did a really cool thing a couple of years ago. There was a, a viral video that they did where they had mapped, or they basically put on one side of the car it was all LEDs, uh, and then they put a camera on the other side of the car that was showing what was on the other side of the car. So when they fired up the LEDs, it turned invisible. Basically, I mean, it was projecting what was on the other side of the car. Oh, I like that. Just yeah. Covered so you just LEDs. see this like predator-looking thing coming down yeah. the road. Yeah. Now I wonder if that's going to affect, uh, say, the drivability or the aerodynamics. Sure. But still, yeah, that would be it's a kind lot of a fun. neat idea. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Uh, Ram people for some reason are excited about their new big truck. It's the 2019 HD pickup. Okay. What does HD stand for? A Heavy duty, B, haha, duty, or C, seriously, I keep saying duty. Yeah, uh, it would be heavy duty. You said it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> gotta be tough, man. Gotta pack the world, climb a mountain. Yes. All right, Jesse, thank you. You did very well in the quiz. You passed. Yay. Um, so I can release you if you, we would just keep going if you didn't have a good grade on that. Okay. Because then, you know, all your life would be a lie. Like, are you really even a car guy? Yeah, really, man. Come on, man. (laughs) So I'm going to release you back out into the world. Uh, Jesse James Allen, Vimeo, Instagram, um, LinkedIn. Definitely. Feel Uh, free to reach out. You can find him at different places. I'm not going to give out your address on the air. I'll put that on the internet. Come on down to Story Club. Come on on stage. Tell a story with us, man. Got great people there. Anything else you want to... Look. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, no, it was I'm great. a big fan of the show, so it's super, super cool to be here. Very nice. Uh, so I guess a couple other things that you might be interested in. Uh, Otronicon is yes, this weekend. definitely come to Otronicon. That will be a lot of fun. That is at the uh, Science Center, of course, just three or four levels, however many levels they have of video game goodness. Pure awesomeness. Uh, two weeks. In two weeks, uh, they will be painting over the murals at Sam Flax. They will be doing new murals on February 9th, so that might be something that you're interested in as well. And next week I'll have musician Landon Landon Noland uh, will be here. 
Uh, his new album comes out on Friday, I think, and then he'll be here on Monday. So we've got two potential topics. I wanted to see what you thought. He is a big comic book movie guy, okay, uh, but he doesn't really read the comics. So I was wondering if maybe we could go through some of the histories of some of the characters, like some of the insane sure. histories of some of the characters. Um, or somebody just said AI. And I'm like, oh, that could be fun as well. We could just do like AI songs and things. Oh, definitely. Just feed everything that, you know, Paul Simon ever wrote into it. Uh, and then he have to perform the song that the AI spits back. Sure. That actually sounds really hard. I mean, yeah, they actually, that. the funny one is they have it where they like, you know, feed it novels and it would like try to write the next Harry Potter book or yeah. something. If you read one of those, they're hilarious. I like, would love that. Yeah. I'm not sure JK Rowling is actually, have you ever seen her in person? Uh, no. See, could just be a robot. Could be. Yeah. yeah. Jesse, thank you so much. Let's shake on the air. Yep. Here we that go. It's really realistic. Sounds exactly like a handshake should. And, uh, well, from a sound design standpoint, Ed, what did you think of that? That was, that was cool. Here, let's do a little, let's do it again, but more noise. There we go. There's not much noise to a handshake. It really isn't. Okay. Well, good. Good to know. We know that now. Yeah. Just in case you didn't before. All right. Uh, and more music coming up on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening. You've been listening to a certain degree. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. Where do you go from here? Tell your friends about how awesome this episode was. Subscribe to the show wherever you subscribe. Also check out toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com. One of the takeaways from this episode for me is don't wait for someone to come along to teach you something. Don't wait for somebody to come along to recognize your talent. Get out there and take some chances. Just like Jesse did, hand your albums doesn't have to be vinyl album to the dj doesn't have to be a literal dj because you never know what's going to happen thanks for listening i will truly miss our little talks <laughs>